please be seated. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. It's amazing what happens during this service, that at the beginning of the service you're on an extreme high, thinking about Palm Sunday and, and the music is very upbeat and uplifting. And then we come to the dramatic reading of the passion of Jesus and his crucifixion and death. And we go through an extremely low period. Palm Sunday is one of those days where the emotions are extreme, but there's something that's constant about Jesus and his character throughout. And that is, Jesus is humble. You heard humility referenced in the collect. You heard humility referenced in the reading from Philippians. And you see humility lived out in Jesus, whether it be riding in on Palm Sunday or whether it be his passion and crucifixion. It was something that was constant in his character. And it's something that often today is not cultivated. You know, we are in many ways the fast food generation of have it your way. And you deserve a break today. It's all about you. And we get that message over and over again. And when we raise children, we want them to have good self-esteem, a healthy self-image. And so we build them up, which is great. But when they begin to believe that they're the center of the universe and that everything they want or desire they should have and they begin to control or even demand their rights in the household, we've got a problem. But many of us live that way, either subconsciously or overtly, anyway. I want you to think about another word that's a related word to humility. Because in some ways, this word hints at, hints at, it's not identical to, but it hints at, part of what humility is like in our lives. And the word is humiliation. How many of you, and if you're old enough, I can't imagine that you haven't, experienced humiliation in your life? of one way or another. Either you brought it on or someone tried to humiliate you. When I started thinking about that, there were so many thoughts that ran through my mind thinking about times that I've experienced humiliation, which isn't just a couple. Think back over your life. Not only as an adult when you may have experienced humiliation, but as a child. And not necessarily that anybody was trying to humiliate you. It's just something that happens. 
And it's funny, as I was thinking about this, you know, we just experienced St. Patrick's Day in the parade, and it was fun, and we had the picnic, and it was great. But as I was thinking about this Sunday, and I was thinking about humiliation because of part of what Jesus experienced, there was a memory that came back to my mind, and it went back to about third grade. In third grade, I was going to a parochial school. Now, I have to describe part of what I was like at that point, and you'll begin to get the picture, okay? I was a straight-A student. I was a little plump. I had bad eyesight and wore glasses, and I was a soprano. <laughs> That's not a good combination for a third-year, third-grade child, a guy, okay, just so you know. But because of some of those qualities, I was chosen to have one of the leads in the St. Patrick's Day play that we had at our little parochial school. And it was to take place in the afternoon at the end of the day. So we were out in the playground, and we were playing at recess. And my family, this might help too, just give you more of the picture. My family, my dad was working full-time during the day, and he was going to night school at Carnegie Tech for years to get his engineering degree. So we didn't have a lot at that stage in my life. And so I don't know if the pants I was wearing were hand-me-downs or whether they were just cheap. But when we were doing recess and playing, my pants split right down the middle in the back. And I was to be in this play in the afternoon. And I was mortified. I thought, I can't do this. And so I asked permission of the teacher if I could run home, because at that time, we only had one car. And so I had to go home, and I had to walk a mile. You know, I'm one of those. I had to walk a mile home. And this is March. In Pittsburgh, in March, it is not warm. So it was drafty. (laughs) Not only was it drafty, but if you try to walk a mile or run a mile fast and you're holding your bag, it's not easy. And the whole way home, I'm thinking, everybody is looking. And I was red and I was sweating even though it was chilly outside. That was probably one of the most humiliating things I experienced as a child. But it turned out okay. Because then I came back and I did the play. And I don't remember, to be honest with you, much about the play. I remember a lot of what led up to it. Because that sticks in your mind. That sticks in your mind. Sometimes people try to humiliate you. I experienced that too when I was in middle school. Well, Jesus experienced humiliation during Holy Week, during his passion, during his death. But what we forget is he faced humiliation throughout his life. That he began, when he was born into this world, into a poor family, born in a, in a manger, in a stable. Not a nice setting or surrounding. Then he was raised in obscurity, in a relatively poor family, and my guess is, being the son of a carpenter, he did a lot of grunt work. He eventually would pick up the skill, most likely, but he did a lot of labor in order to help facilitate the household. And then when he finally came out 
and he became this rabbi, this teacher, this preacher, people would question his background, his pedigree, his formal education. He wasn't raised in the right schools. He didn't hang with the right people because he hung around with prostitutes and tax collectors and he touched lepers. And so people challenged him constantly. They tried to humiliate him. Pharisees and Sadducees would condescend. They would question him. They would challenge him. So that the humiliation that Jesus would face was throughout his life, and especially, especially on Good Friday. When he was arrested and beaten and slapped and spat upon and a crown of thorns put on his head and he was scourged and he had to carry his cross and then he was nailed to that cross. One of the worst experiences of torture and execution you could experience, which is why it was eventually outlawed. And he was stripped naked when he was nailed to the cross. Jesus faced humiliation. But that's not his humility. His humility came from his choice to love and serve his father. And to love and serve us. That's where his humility came from. It's not what happened to him because of other people. It's not what happened to him accidentally. It's what he chose. He chose to submit. Because he loved his father. Because he was obedient to his father. Even to death death on a cross, which is what the scripture says, that he chose to come and serve us and lay down his life for us, which he did throughout his life and everything he did, he was constantly laying down his life and laying down his glory so that he could serve others self-sacrificially. He served women as well as men which would be unheard of. He served the people that were the untouchables of society and those that were outcasts from the temple because they weren't holy enough or whole enough. He reached out to the mentally ill, the relational dysfunctional and the sexual dysfunctional. He reached out to everyone. Because he sought to love. Because he sought to serve. This isn't something that was laid on him. Like humiliation sometimes happens to us. It's something that he chose to do. Because he chose to serve. To lay down his life. His family made fun of him. That never happens in families today. 
And he chose to love them to the point that they would eventually come to faith. Like James. Like James who wrote, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will exalt you. Because James understood. You know, oftentimes what we want in our lives is not to experience that humility. We want to experience the glory. Jesus, even in the midst of his glory, even in the midst of being lifted up, he was humble. And in his humility would fulfill the prophecy about riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. You know, now think about it. If he was coming in to be the Messiah everybody was expecting, which was wealthy and successful, a religious leader, a high priest, wouldn't he ride a stallion or in a chariot? That's what I'd pick. He rode in on a donkey. If you ever watched any Westerners, who rides the donkey? Festus rides the donkey. The town drunk rides the donkey. The idiot rides the donkey. In every action that Jesus did, he chose humility. He chose to lay down his life. He chose to humble himself even in the midst of being glorified. Now there are times in our lives when we understand that experience, when we are blessed with some kind of honor recognition and we feel we don't, earn, we don't really feel worthy or we don't want to be recognized that way. But a lot of times it's kind of like, Right? We want the recognition. We want the applause. We want people to think highly of us. But Jesus came for a reason. He came to lay down His life. He came to lay down His life for you and for me. And at the same time, the Father was lifting Him up. The lifting up, the being glorified that's referred to in Scripture was about the cross. Because it's at that moment that he shows the depth of his love. It's at that moment that he paid the price for us, for our sin. That he modeled for us that selflessness that we're called to. Because we understand the gift of salvation. It's what baptism really is meant to signify, that we die to sin, we die to self. At the same time, the Father is lifting him up. Others are trying to take him down, tear him down. What do we do in our hearts? Do we really seek to follow him as our Savior and Lord, as our model? See, in many ways, what we do a lot of times is we like when God serves as our consultant. 
That when he affirms us, no matter what we do or we think, that's the kind of God we should have. That I should be able to follow my desires, my wants, use my time, my way, my resources, my way. No demands on me. There shouldn't be any cost to this life. We misunderstand the cross. We misunderstand sacrificial love. We misunderstand the gift that he's given us that's meant to change our hearts and our lives. That when he yelled to Telestai from the cross, it is paid for. That the debt we couldn't cover, the price that was suffocating us, which is our sin, our unworthiness, that he died for us in our place for that sin so that we might be transformed. You know, one of the Psalms that's often thought of during this time, and actually is one of the optional readings for this service. Psalm 118 says, verse 19, Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. It's through Jesus Christ that we have the opportunity to be declared righteous because of the price He paid for us by faith. And that when we recognize what he's done, that we give thanks. That we enter into that life. His life. That as you read on, I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. It's through him that we're given this gift of salvation. Through the cross. Through the emptying of himself for us. And verse 26, blessed is the one who came in the, in the name of the Lord. The same cry we hear on Palm Sunday, but with a different focus. The fact that he came to fulfill the prophecies of the suffering servant. The fact that he came to pay the price on the cross for us and we receive his righteousness. John Guest said last week that Jesus fulfilled what was fulfilled by Jesus in his life and his death. 331 prophecies. Now, I don't think that in the course of following these promises, these prophecies, that Jesus was always checking them off mentally. You know what I mean? That he had a list that he was going through on the cross. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he says it. Now, these prophecies were given hundreds of years before Jesus so that we would recognize him, that we would understand. That even the prophecies that are told about the people around him and what they would do, like these words, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Like the soldiers casting lots at the foot of the cross which I don't think Jesus organized that game. That all those prophecies point 
to Him for a reason. So that we would understand what it cost God for us. What Jesus was willing to give for us. That He was willing to empty Himself for our sake. So that we might have the gift of salvation in His righteousness. That our lives might be changed. That our hearts might be changed. Softened. Broken. So that we understand sacrificial love. And we live it. See, if you don't understand that Jesus came to give His life because you couldn't, you couldn't attain salvation on your own, then you miss it. If you think He came so that no matter what you do, you're fine, just follow your feelings, you miss it. It takes us emptying ourselves. To empty ourselves of ourselves, our self-centeredness, our sinfulness, so that we might be filled with Him. So that we might be transformed by His Spirit. So that we might learn what it means to live for the Lord and to give loving, sacrificial service to all those around us. That's what this week is about. From beginning to end. That Jesus came to be our humble king. And first of all, the question you need to ask, is he your savior? And then, is he your Lord? Is he your humble king? That you've emptied yourself before so that you might be filled with his grace, the gift, and his love, and his peace, and his joy. This week is a journey to the cross. And that's where we meet him. Please bow with me in prayer. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord God, so often we hold on to that which we want. that we really want others serving us. That we even want you serving us. That we declare ourselves righteous. Where emptiness begins with repentance. And fullness begins with knowing you. 
Lord, the end of this world and the end of sin is emptiness. That's all we have for all eternity. And yet, Lord, in you is fullness and life for all eternity because you gave your life for us. Lord, I pray that each person here would know that gift. That they would come to you seeking you to be their Savior. And more than that, to be their Lord. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, cause us now to be emptied of ourselves, of our sin, of our self-centeredness, and be filled by your Spirit, complete because of the cross and the resurrection. And help us to live that anew this week as we seek you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.